Hey, Night Owls. Welcome to the next episode of Isn't It Past Your Bedtime. I'm Rachel. And I'm Krista. Uh, This week, we are solidly in February, the month of love, although this is not today's theme. Mine, at least, isn't. Oh, mine is, though. (laughs) Oh, see, you're sort of on double theme. Yeah, it has like a little bit of romance. It starts, it really kicks off because of romance-ish, but it's not necessarily a romance I'll accept it. Yeah. Our our truth theme for today, although Krista is with the theme of the month, um, <laughs> is celebrating Black authors. Since February is Black History Month, um, we try to make sure that we're expanding the authors that we are reading. I try really hard to look at different genres and different perspectives. Um, I know that I tend to gravitate towards certain things like psychological thrillers, and it turns out most of those are written by white blonde ladies. Yeah, definitely Would when you thought. go and you're looking at your shelf for a book and you're like, oh, that's a white lady. That's another white lady. Yeah. Most no, of my white ladies it. are brunette white ladies. I found. I'm not exactly Wow. Books. So we just yeah. gravitate towards people who are the most similar to us. I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. So yeah, definitely. Awesome. It's a nice reminder to say, hey, diversify Branch our purchases out. with books. So yeah, absolutely. So I love that we do this and it definitely makes me more aware of the authors that I'm selecting. Um, because I want I want to get a bunch of different perspectives. I don't want to read the same. I mean, yeah, they're all different authors or whatever, but like it's basically the same perspective. Like you all had the same experiences. I want to see somebody else. Okay. So what I did for this one um, was They All Fall Down by Rachel Housel Hall. It's a mouthful. I'm sorry. I like it. It feels like it'd be a very swoopy signature. That's what I was thinking too. Like the H's, I kind of like that. Like I'm pretty good at like a a cursive H. Anyways, (laughs) (laughs) that's neither here nor there. So. This book was listed, I think they called it a thriller. I don't know if I would necessarily call it a thriller, but I also don't know what else it would be. Okay. So maybe that's how it ended up in a thriller. Makes sense. I guess. On the back, it also says crime fiction. So it seems like people are kind of torn on where it falls. Yes, there is definitely like the the classic filler. Filler. Wow. (laughs) Thriller tropes where like, like you don't know why they're here necessarily like you don't know who's doing the thing that's happening so like i can see why i got categorized as thriller but i don't know maybe when i explain it a little bit more you'll see why i'm not sure that it's a thriller okay yeah it feels more drama to me i think drama Mm. would be where i would categorize it but not necessarily thriller anyways so this book is about um people who go to an island off of mexico under false pretenses Oh, so, <laughs> right. So like, I can get why that's a thriller. You know, you don't know why you're there. This is on the back. I'm not spoiling a damn thing. It's literally okay. the first, like, like three chapters. So our main character is Miriam and Miriam is dealing with some tragic life events that are consequences from her actions, which are not great actions. We don't really know all of the things that kind of go down in her life before she goes to this island. Um, Things get kind of revealed throughout the book, which is one of the things that this author did. So like intermittently between chapters, there would be like, um, like articles, like news articles. I love books. So it would tell you like, this person did this thing. So like, it would tell you more about each of the characters basically kind of along the way. So you don't really know everything about um, Miriam from the, from the beginning, but we do know that Miriam has uh, a daughter and she is divorced from her husband who has a new significant other. I'm not sure if they're like fully divorced. She talks about him as if she's, he's still her husband, but she also definitely has some delusions and ideas of grandiose 
she's very much a character that like plays the victim a lot. Um, <clears throat> I found her uh, challenging to relate to um, because you didn't really know what was real, what was not okay. <laughs> coming coming from her. So I think that was probably part of the like deception, right? Whereas like you don't know who did the thing. Yeah. So Miriam. Yeah, exactly. So she's the main character, though. Like we spend a lot of time in her head kind of at the beginning. Um, so you get to know her pretty well. But basically what's going on in her life is that she did something. We don't really know all the details, but it's something with one of her daughter's classmates. She basically bullied one of her daughter's classmates hmm. um, because that classmate was bullying her daughter. So she thinks I'm completely in the right because no one else was making this girl accountable for bullying my daughter. Um, Miriam's also a black lady, which I think is a factor here. And mm -hmm. she's being bullied by a, a white girl who okay. was like putting Nazi stickers on her locker. Like mm. it was pretty bad. Like it, yeah. it was aggressive. I'm not going to say that this girl was in the right at all. But as the adult, Miriam probably should have taken some different steps to deal with it. Yeah. <clears throat> so because of this situation that Miriam has found herself in, her husband has left her and he's with somebody new. I can't remember, honestly, if he was cheating on her or if that was even real and if that was in Miriam's head or not. It was kind of unclear timeline-wise whether, like, this incident happened with the daughter's um, schoolmate, Brooke, before or after the husband left. It's, it's unclear. But either way, she's separated or divorced and her husband has the house. So she lives in, like, kind of like a dump apartment in, like, a not nice neighborhood. And so, like, basically she's on the outside looking in for like what her perfect life used to be, right? Where her daughter doesn't want to speak to her at all. She wants no contact basically. And her daughter's like, you know, a lot of, a lot of, I hate you's going on. She's a teenage girl mm. and there was this drama situation. So like, I understand that like, there's definitely a lot of emotions that are raw. Um, so before uh, Miriam leaves to go to this Island, she is contacted um, while she's kind of in the throes of like a legal battle, basically. So there had been like a court case beforehand. And then some incident happened the day before she leaves for this island where she says that she had an altercation with another one of the teenage girls that came to her house, egged her house, like kicked her, like caused bruises. But she didn't want to report it to the police. She just wanted to go tell her ex-husband and daughter so that they would know that there was something going down. But she'll mm. talk about it later because she hasn't heard back from her lawyer lately. But she's leaving tomorrow for Mexico anyway. So there's no reason for her to have to go talk to the police. I don't know. A lot of things made it really suspicious on whether or not things that Miriam was saying were true. And then people around her often talk about her being a liar. So like I said, it's very hard to tell what's actually happening in Miriam's life. All you really know is that she is stressed out. She does not have custody of her daughter and she wants her daughter back and she needs money. That's pretty much all that really matters here, whether or not everything else is true, who knows? So somebody contacts her and says, we want you to be part of a reality show. You could potentially win millions of dollars. I don't know about you, but my mama always told me if something seemed too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah, I was going to say, I see why she went. I see how she wants it, but what, why me? How do you know me? Right, like, how did why? they find her? Like, yeah. why did you pick her? Why did you email her directly like that? I don't how know. do you have it my seemed, email? Like, Yes, it all seemed very weird. So what she thinks is happening is that she is selected to be on this reality TV show for all of America. And she told the people, the producer that she talked to, I'm doing this in air quotes because that's not who she talked to. Um, obviously, like I said, false premises. Um, she told the producer like, well, I need to get paid for my time if I'm going to be leaving. 
So $10,000 a day was the agreed upon. So, you know, even if she got kicked out a few days in, because it's one of those reality shows where like people leave, right? And so the last one standing makes the money. So she's thinking like, I'm going to go to Mexico. I'm going to be like, America's going to love me. So like this whole part of her, like getting to the airport and getting on the plane, like she's acting like she thinks that there are literally cameras on her right now. Like, so she'll be like, oh, well, I chose this outfit specifically because it's airy and it makes me look like slim, slender here in the waist. Like, it's so funny. There's a lot of like just being in her head in this first part, but this reality show had some weird rules, which made me being a person who reads things be like, hmm, seems suspicious. So like she wasn't allowed to know who the other contestants were. So that makes sense. That's pretty normal. But like considering they knew that they were going to be having to take a boat out to a private island, you're obviously all going to be in the same place at, at some point, right? But you're not allowed to talk to each other. Even once you see each other, you're not allowed to talk to each other about why you're going to the island. So she gets to the she gets to Mexico and she gets onto like the dock where she's supposed to get on this private yacht to go out to this island that's like very far out. Like it's not close. It's very far out. It has no no reception. Like it's literally a private island with one house on it. I don't know if she knows that it's a private island with just one house on it. Um, I think all she knows is that it's a private island. Mm-hmm. Um, so she gets to the the yacht, the private yacht, and she clearly sees who the other contestants are, right? And she plays like she starts playing it like a reality show. Like she like pretends to laugh at somebody, and then like she like decides like who her nemesis is gonna be. Like one guy she like wanted to sit next to him and he refused to like move his bag. And so like, she literally spends like six pages, like talking about how she's going to get back at him later for like being shitty to her. So like, she's very much the victim in any situation, right? She doesn't really see how like her actions are impacting the things around her. Everything happens to her. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, especially like with that issue with like the guy wouldn't let her sit next to him. Somebody else was sitting next to him later and she was like fuming about it. She was so upset. She's just like, I can't believe he like you sit next to him, but he wouldn't even move his bag to sit next to him. But later you find out in the bag wasn't earned and she was sitting on the other side and the bag hadn't moved. So like she literally like takes it upon herself to make herself the victim in any scenario, which is part of why I believe that maybe she wasn't necessarily truthful about everything that happened beforehand. Right. Mm -hmm. So Miriam's in a weird situation. So all these people are on their way to the island. She's acting like it is a reality show and everybody else has a different reason why they're there, but they don't get to talk to each other about it because they're told not to talk to each other. So like they do like surface conversations where they like introduce their names and stuff, but they don't really like say where they're going to the island. So when they get to the island, we find out that like, so there are seven contestants. So there's seven people on the island. <clears throat> or maybe she was told six. I don't know. There are seven people on the freaking island. And... Um, when she gets there, there is one of the guys, like this older guy, the one who wouldn't let her sit next to him, lets them know that they're all brought there under false pretenses. And he was like, you were told that like you're meeting a friend, you were told that you're here for clients, but basically they're all there because they all had the same lawyer, Philip, who had died. So the lawyer had like a brain tumor and he had died, which is why he had not been responding to Miriam's like reach outs lately. Um, so that tracked. So they're all there to be part of his memorial the next day. I think it was supposed to be like the next day or the day after that. So very shortly, there were supposed to be more people coming the following day on the boat, but there's one house and they all stay in this house and they were all lied to, to get them there. I was like, okay, but why would you lie to them to get them to a memorial? Also who goes to the memorial of their lawyer? Yeah. Like how close am I with this lawyer? Like maybe if I'm spending billions and bajillions of dollars on this lawyer sure but 
a divorce right? lawyer. I'm not, I don't well, need to go to the memorial. So he's more like a, like a defense attorney. So he's not a divorce lawyer. He's, a, oh. he's like a defense attorney. So I don't know if okay. he, he may have done her divorce, but basically he was there for like the big incident that she had with the, oh, okay. that's the friend. Right. I did. I did. Forget so that that's that what she, he represented her for. Yeah. Okay. No, that was a great question though. So that I could clarify. Um, so they're all basically there and they're told by Wallace, who is the dead lawyer, Phillips supposed spouse. Okay. But no one had ever heard of him before. But then again, why would you talk to your lawyer about their personal lives? So yeah, it makes sense to me. I'm not surprised at all. Um, but basically he was like, uh, he, you were his important clients and he knows you all need something desperately. And it gave me like a hunger games vibe when they said oh, that. Oh yeah. So like you were here because they know that you need money and you're here because he knows that you need clients. And so like, he has a lot of money. Obviously he can buy a private Island and he can build this house in the middle of nowhere. So you're in his will. Like, that's obviously why you're here. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, yeah, but why would he lure you there? Like, would you not just say you're in the will and then you'd go? Yeah, like, hey, you're in the will. Come to the reading on this private island. Yeah, hmm. it's real sus. It's real sus. So they all just accept this as reality. Um, they go into the house, which is just like absolutely gorgeous, intricate mansion. What you can imagine a very rich person could build on a private island in Mexico. Oh, it's beautiful um, in mind. Yeah, but like literally everything that happens, Miriam is just like, but why am I not getting something better? So like they assigned rooms and she got assigned a bottom floor. Most of the women did and most of the men were assigned top floor rooms. And she was like, but why do the men get to be in top floor rooms? And so she would like go sneak in people's rooms and be like, but they have two windows. Why do I only have one window? How did they get this room? Like there was a lot of really petty shit from Miriam for like the entire book. It's neither here nor there, but it was a huge factor of the book and part of what pushed things along. Um, so yeah, there was that, but basically, um, everybody is at this house and they think that they're just waiting for the boat the next day to come and bring the rest of the people. And then the following day, they're supposed to do a ceremony and then they leave. So they're supposed to be gone in like two days. <clears throat> I can't remember the exact series of events here. Um, I think it's the first night someone dies. So it's like, huh? Very okay intrigued. so people start dying basically the boat doesn't show up the boat for the next day and then wallace is like oh it. well they got caught in a storm and it's like well it's sunny and perfect and he's like well the mainland gets storms we don't get i'm like you're on an island you get the storm i don't think that's how storms work but okay <laughs> i don't think that's at all how storms work yeah. but you know whatever what do i know so like a lot of like things start happening where like they don't have any cell service which i definitely expected to happen mm -hmm. the island's only like a mile by a mile but it's so far out that like you can't contact anybody no one ever drives by so they're very isolated out here um one of the basis for this is that there are seven people and then there is a table in the middle of like the foyer of this giant house that has these like little pieces like they're like chess pieces but they're like not chess pieces they're just like figurines basically and each of them and along with like the way the table is painted represents the seven deadly sins so one person dies and one of the pieces goes missing off the table so Miriam is basically spending her time investigating, trying to figure out like what happened? Why are these people here? Um, she basically thinks that like Philip was her best friend who she definitely would have slept with. You know, if they had had more time together, they totally would have slept together. Like, absolutely. This woman has so many well, ideas of grandiose. It's like very mind. clear. 
her mental health is not great. And she, she yeah. like takes a lot of Valium, like someone warned her, like stay sober. And so like, she puts in a lot of effort to like not take Valium, but she like, can't like, she just like, can't help herself at a certain point because like, this is all too much for her. And she doesn't know what to do. She's sending emails to her daughter. So like, you get to see like emails to her daughter as well as like newspaper clippings to kind of slowly unveil like who each of these people are. Um, I can't remember everyone's names, but like each of them basically did something terrible. So like there's a chef um, who had like someone else had, had died. Someone had died at his restaurant. And so the lawyer helped get him off. Um, there was a former nurse who had been killing patients because she was like, well, they're already dying. And then she would benefit by getting on their will. So like basically this lawyer like represented like really crappy people, but Miriam is this whole time. She's just like, I don't understand how I could be part of this. Like, <laughs> I don't understand why I'm even involved in any of this. Like, she's like, we were in love. And like, it just like, it, it continues to get worse. Like her idea of like what their relationship was like. She had some uh, hard realities, which uh, was necessary. It was needed. She needed that reality yeah, check, like I it. think. Um, I don't really want to tell you how many people die or anything like that, but basically they establish it from like early on that like, She's a liar and I can't really tell if she's always lying or if it's intentional to paint her in a certain way so that other people react to her specifically. So um, like there is a scene where she sees one of the other, I keep wanting to say contestants, but I guess they're just guests. Um, <clears throat> she sees like one of the other guests and he has like a gun in his back. Like he put, puts it into his like back Boy's of his band. pants. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you. Um, and so she like tells people, she was like, oh my God, he's got a gun in his waistband and he comes into the room and he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he like picks his shirt up and turns around and there's no gun there. So I'm like, so was there no gun there yeah. or is someone trying to make her look bad? Because like you find out later there was definitely a gun there. So someone's intentionally trying to make her look bad. And so like, there's a lot, hmm. I think the biggest misdirection is like trying to figure out what's real for Miriam and what's not yeah. like, that's the, that's the biggest twist here is like, what was actually happening and what wasn't Yeah. <laughs> like most people die. You hear a lot about their stories. And like, I wasn't really surprised with like how this kind of all unfolded considering it seemed pretty premeditated. Mm -hmm. um, but it was very interesting the way that they kind of laid it out. I thought the premise was pretty cool. Like you get brought to an island and you don't know what you're there for. And so all of these other bad people are there though. And so you have to figure out like who's telling the truth and who's not. So like it had like kind of like a, like a classic clue vibe to it, mm -hmm. except for Miriam just being all over the fucking place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like other than that though, it was pretty good. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought that the addition of having like the news clippings kind of show you along the way was really interesting, especially like as you got to know a character and then like they would maybe die or something else would happen to them. And then you see the news clipping that kind of explained what their life was like beforehand and why they were represented by Philip. Mm -hmm. So I thought that that was done really well. I didn't really think it was necessary to withhold what Miriam had done. Like it was clear she had done something bad. And I actually think it added to the confusion for me, which maybe was the point. Um, oh, yeah. But it made it really confusing. At a certain point, I was just like, did I miss something about what she did? Because like it were in her head most of the time. And she talks about like what she did, but she says just like what I did or, well, she really talks about what other people did to her and then her yeah. reacting to them is their fault. Yeah. Cause yeah, she didn't actually do anything. Cause she didn't actually do anything. And no. like a character even calls her out on that. Like she, um, Wallace, who is Phillips like spouse knows everything about everybody. So like, mm -hmm. he seems like a pretty obvious suspect. Right. So you spend a lot of time like paying attention to what Wallace is doing. Cause he obviously knows more than he's he saying. Like he was, he was the one that brought them here and told them that like, this is Philip's house and like all of that. But he literally says to her, 
He was just like, but why are you focusing on what other people did and not what you did? Mm. And I'm just like, right. I guess she hated that. Someone freaking told her finally. (laughs) So other than Miriam needing a reality check, uh, it was interesting. There was definitely like, like the angst and like the stress was definitely like portrayed well. Um, I'm really struggling to give it a score. I'm going to give it like a three. Okay. Just because I think the main character being that annoying was a real, like, it took away from it a little bit. Like, just tell me what she did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe literally the that. last page is her, her news clipping. Oh, the last wow. page is the whole one. And I was just like, okay, but I literally put all these pieces together already. Like, it's pretty clear what happened. Cause like, she says some things. And so I think that probably when writing it, it's very hard to tell like what we didn't, did not reveal already about Miriam considering yeah. you're trying to withhold information and it mm-hmm. made it confusing. Yeah. Like maybe should the clipping have been the very first page and like, that's what pulls you in. It's like, Oh, this thing, yes. what is going on? Cause then, yeah, maybe yeah. like, if you know, like what actually happened, at least according to the newspaper, it would then, a little, made a little more sense yeah, and, and like, like what tracked. she's saying then you're like okay maybe she's not as reliable of a narrator as I had thought I don't know right so there were some stylistic choices that I don't know that I would have chosen but I understood why they chose them mm-hmm. I would I would try something else by this author like um the transitions I didn't think were super great and I felt like the chapters were just kind of thrown in there you know how like it looks like someone just like wrote it and then they just kind of insert chapter breaks to break it up Mm -hmm. that's kind of what it felt like like I didn't feel like it ended like on a good spot like I love a good chapter where it like ends where it's like this thing happened and then like drama you know what I mean and you're like like, I have to start the next chapter now yeah no there was none of that it was basically just like the next paragraph started so that was a bit of a a bummer but I would still give it a three because I thought the premise was really interesting I liked all of the different like ways that they attempted to like kind of mm, mask smoke and mirrors you know mm-hmm. it was it was a really good attempt and uh the characters were diverse but yeah miriam was annoying as hell <laughs> fair my main character got on my nerves too sometimes but then i had to like kind of check myself and be like okay like why is she getting on your nerves and then i'm like no mm-hmm. she's in the right like she's just frustrating so i read honey girl by morgan rogers and this has been on my shelf for like months now um but it's about our main character is Grace Porter. A lot of people call her Porter. Um, and I'll get to that in a minute. But basically what starts is that she goes to Vegas, like two of her friends, and she wakes up the next morning or one of the mornings. I guess it's her last morning in Vegas. She wakes up. She's supposed to catch a flight here in like an hour. Um, she wakes up like super hungover. She has this like what she calls like a champagne pop fizz dream, which is just like it's like a pink kind of huge dream of this gorgeous girl with like long black hair and flowers in her hair and That's amazing I need one yeah uh, and she is like oh my gosh like this dream like I got married to her like oh my gosh she's totally in love and she's like ah oh, that was a dream and like kind of trying to like catch onto the dream and then like her she like finally gets up and there's a picture on her nightstand of her and this girl from her dream in a chapel in Vegas and there's a ring on her finger and like a lock or a key around her neck. And like, and she's Ooh. like, oh, cause she like has like these like fuzzy memories that like she thought were the dream, but are actually happened. And they're memories of the two of them, like buying little locks and like locking it onto like the fake Louvre bridge or whatever that's in Paris. Like there's mm-hmm. one in Vegas. And so like doing that and they have the necklaces and she can like still kind of smell like the girl who had fallen asleep. Cause the girl, like they'd gone back to her room and she's like, oh, she smells like sea salt and like herbs or something like that and like the descriptions of like how she smells i'm like i can smell it 
and she's like oh so clearly she's still here the bed's still kind of warm but she left like okay weird whatever like I get it and then so she like leaves the card the girl had left this card like a note that was she had like scrawled like gotta go I can't remember what the note said but basically it was like hey gotta go away uh this was weird we got married and then a business card for a radio show and like that's it and so she's like okay like what the heck happened and like grace porter like she has a plan she does not deviate from her plan this was off the plan this was not part of the grand plan so she's like freaking out i mean i think most people would probably be freaking out if they went to vegas and married a complete stranger yeah i got Uh, drunk and don't really remember getting married but no you are yeah but also like all of her memories is that like this is like the happiest she's been like ever like she knows that when she was with this girl and she kissed this girl that she was so freaking happy on the one night on the one night yeah okay yeah tells you a little bit about her life beforehand yeah so like her buddies are like knocking on the door and they're like we gotta leave in an hour why are you not up like you made us memorize the itinerary for the flights you made us repeat them back to you before we could even leave like why are you not ready to go what in the world is going on and she can't tell them like she like doesn't tell them she's like you say yeah and so her two buddies um it's some samara i think that's how you pronounce it it's got like the x h i think that's how you pronounce it and agnes um so samara is just dominican and Agnes is like a tiny little white be- bleach blonde gal. Um, All Agnes's like, need to be like translucent. Yeah. And also she like definitely has like a lot of like mental things. Like she was in a psych ward for a bit. She struggles a lot with like depression, anxiety, and like really intrusive it's thoughts. Fragile. Yeah. So she's, she's going through some things. And so because Grace had like tried to hide the photo and stuff like under the pillow when they came in. So Samara leaves and uh but Agnes sees the picture and she was like okay Grace whatever when you want to tell us or Porter because they call her Porter she's like you want to talk about this and Grace is like no and she's like okay and like leaves but she keeps a secret so like that's great so they fly back to Portland that's where they live and basically Grace is like in a downward spiral kind of at this point because she has so right before they left for Vegas she got her PhD in astronomy and so for the last 11 years, she has basically been like, go, go, go. So her dad's a colonel in the military, which is kind of why she's called Porter, um, which is oh, her last okay. name. And mm-hmm. her mom, so their parents are divorced. Her mom lives in like an orange grove or like owns an orange grove in Florida, which is where that she grew up. And when they were like 11, she was 11 or 12 or something like that, they got divorced and her dad took her to Portland. And basically her mom has been like her entire rest of her life. She's 28 right now, has been like jet set in the world looking for like her spiritual guidance and to find the whatever hippie things grace is half white so oh. her, or half black so her mom is white so just picture like a nice hippie mom nice hippie lady, lady. Got who, it. like lives in an orange grove and is trying to find her spiritual equilibrium or i don't really remember exactly what it is but so her mom's gone all the time basically and so grace kind of resents her for that like she was like you're the reason dad got divorced you and dad got divorced you're the reason dad took me here like it's all your fault you're always gone you're never there which isn't necessarily true like as a kid it would be hard to see anything else exactly yeah but yeah so now she's like 28 and she still has all these thoughts of like you left me and her mom's like like at one point her mom is like they're like friendly having a heart to heart her mom's like i never once forgot your birthday didn't matter what continent i was on didn't matter what i was doing i never forgot and grace is like well you 
and then like realizes oh wait no you never forgot it like wait you actually were always there for me i just didn't see it because she gets so stuck in her like thoughts on people so she grew up in portland with her dad colonel um not the colonel just colonel that's what everyone calls him he gets remarried and literally his spouse calls him colonel probably i don't think that's weird but okay yeah maybe not like one-on-one maybe they like use names but yeah it's different for sure and so he basically he like raised her the best way that he knew how which was like being like kind of strict and we're gonna have a plan but yeah but she like really pushed back and revolted like when she first moved because as children do she would. their parents divorced you know she started hanging out with a bad crowd short grade slip she got like around she didn't get arrested but she was at parties where cops showed up and everything like that and like finally, finally her dad sat her down and was like you're gonna have a plan here is the plan you're gonna follow through on it so the whole plan was that she was supposed to go medical she was supposed to get become a doctor in the medical field but then she gets to college and she has her like first class in astronomy and it was like her whole world opened up she's oh my god this is it this is what i want so the way she tells it is that she's a complete disappointment to her father because she went into astronomy how dare and so and like her dad is very like stoic a man of few words um yeah once you like learn kind of more like so you know ever you own the entire book is told from grace's point of view so you don't ever like actually get to see anybody else's point of view or thoughts on it but like later in the book like some of their interactions that they have you're like oh like i see what he was doing like i see why like i get why she thinks these things but at the same time you're like you she gets so pinpoint focused on he's the bad guy he's making me do this kind of a thing that like she can't really see anything else i feel like that's like so classic though from a kid like you don't see anything other than how it impacts you like you don't understand Mm -hmm. that there are like larger things at play so yeah and she's always been told that like porters go for the best because they are the best and like all these things so like she has to think she thinks she has to be perfectionist all these things and like her dad had walked out of her graduation her phd graduation or maybe her master's i can't remember i think it was i can't remember which one but one of them he like walked out of the ceremony and like so she like so that's like basically like more proof for her that this is clearly why that he is so such a disappointment so she's like she broke the plan like because she graduated but then she went and she got married to a stranger in vegas very much oh good not the plan yeah so her life is kind of in a downward spiral because she's also stuck in this now what like she just spent the last 11 years of her life dedicating her life to go get this right it's like now what (laughs) and she had like her mentor had got her an interview with this company in seattle and also astronomy is like very much a white man's field and so she like goes to this interview in seattle or whatever and the people basically look at her and like look down to her like oh really you wanna you're doing astronomy Hmm." like you don't look like galileo yeah like this is not so she walks out on it totally justifiable too like i can't remember what it was but like the things they said were very much like like they weren't even trying to go for a token hire at this point they were just very much like this is a white man's place and you're not a white man you're not even a white lady oh, so like goodbye not okay yeah so not great so you like you totally see why she walked out so she like walked out and then goes to vegas so like her mindset was already kind of all over the place in vegas what a big but, week yeah so she feels like she's like letting down her mentor and she's like kind of struggling to like explain this to anybody so she like finally like comes clean and like tells her two buddies who their roommates um Shamira and agnes about that she got married like finally says it out loud and it's like oh i got this like little business card for this radio show 
And so they decide to listen to it. So it's Yuki, Yaka- Yuki Yakamoto is the gal's name. And she has this like late night talk show where basically it's like, are you there? Is anyone listening? Lonely creatures out here looking for other lonely creatures. And like, that's like how I read her voice. It's very just like calm and like soothing. It's perfect. I love yeah, it. I can imagine like, it. Yeah. She's like whispering into it and she like tells stories of monsters and like, like solo monsters and like do you ever think they're lonely all these things and like i would listen to this radio show oh my gosh i would absolutely freaking listen to it i was like i wish this was real um but and this is also in new york so yuki's in lives in new york but as soon as grace hears it she's like yep that's her oh my gosh like it all comes flooding back and so she like finally gets the courage and she calls her because she like has her phone number or whatever on the business card and then they like super they're all super cute and everything um but this entire time grace is freaking out but since she's like basically texting with yuki all the time it's like somebody who doesn't know all these things about her who doesn't know that she like had this grand plan that she failed excuse me doesn't know that like because like as grace says like if she's not the best then if you're not the best you're the worst right like that's basically her thought process so if she's not doing absolutely everything that she's supposed to do she doesn't already have a perfect number one job researching astronomy and all these things and clearly she's failing but here's this woman that she like marries in vegas that she's like crazy about or was on the one day and like is still kind of having like for 12 seconds they had some chemistry yeah but like there's still like something there like with the text and it's like she's like oh it's somebody who like can kind of like understands me like when I say these things and like Yuki's feeling the same way she's like oh my gosh she's like you're my honey girl she's like your hair like the sun like the gold in your hair and Grace is like yeah my mom said that like the sun just loved me so much when I was a baby and that's why and she hates like Grace hates that Yuki's like oh my god no that's perfect so they're super duper cute but Grace is in a downward spell this entire time she's like panicking about everything doesn't know what she wants to do she like talks to her dad and is like I think I want to break and he was like why and she's like well I've been just going straight for like 11 years and he's like okay but you have a plan he's like you didn't go into medicine you do this you stick the plan and she like can't like articulate it in any kind of way that like maybe I just like I'm burnt out I don't want to want know what I want to do next like whatever and he's like I agreed that when you decided astronomy that you were going to do it but you were going to do it all the way you're going to do it right like you're going to do it and she was just like I kind of want to like go home for a bit like help with the orange harvest maybe see mom like go to super um, funny when you talk to me like I'm a 17 year old child when I'm almost 30 but the thing is is that when you actually like read it and like once you kind of like understand like where he's coming from it makes so much sense Mm, okay like because he had like served overseas a whole bunch of times lost his leg had to come back he's like raising his daughter as a single parent basically going through all of this and like he was raised too of like the american dream you do not show weakness you do not do any of these things so like here he is literally cannot walk on his fake leg his prosthetic leg at this point but his daughter he has to have his daughter make him toast and like these things like so like him and like his whole thing he's struggling as he's trying to raise her so you can kind of so see he's that. projecting his own yeah. they both inadequacy. Could, yeah. <laughs> they both have some issues. But like at the end of the book, they definitely kind of like talk more when she's like more she this is I don't know, this is a spoiler alert. I don't really think it is. This book is kind of pretty uh, you know what's gonna happen. Like there's no, no like major pain. twist. No major twist. She does finally go into therapy at some at one point. She that finds a nice amazing therapist. for her. And like once she's done that, she's like way more like 
it's amazing for her like therapy like was great for her or is still great I guess she's still going um but like she's like willing to like ask these questions to her dad like she'll stand up almost like she kind of like back talks him but like not really because she's an adult um and then but like his answers because she like calls him out on a thing that's like has bothered her for the last 20 years and he's like what no like what are you talking about that's not that's not like here's why I did that and she's like but you never said he's like you never asked and like so then you're kind of in that one of like yep yeah so you're in both so I'm like okay I can see why yeah. but like he's not the bad guy that like she makes him out to be but never are so, yeah so she wants to go because also the other thing is that like she works in like this tea room um and the people there are basically her family and so like he pays like her rent uh her mom sends her money oh, still. wow yeah like she doesn't make a whole lot of money she's in a lot of college debt and her parents are so very much supporting her life um and so that's kind of why she's like hey i want to take this break and he's like what Mm. um that makes more sense yeah, yeah. If she's not independent financially yeah uh, she ends up lying to her parents and she says that she gets this like research summer research opportunity in new york and she flies to new york and spends the summer with yuki to, just oh. as like a little break get to know each other like see like is it all real like but now you have an entire internship to lie about yeah well she just doesn't answer their phone calls when they call so that also works i was just so busy yep like so busy gotta go can't talk okay bye um and so yuki lives with like three guys so like there's the roommates there and so basically the rest of the book here is kind of just like her summer and what's going on and like they're starting to fall for more each other and everything like that but then yuki starts asking the tough questions like am i just like your summer girl like what's gonna happen at the end of the summer like what's going like she's trying to ask questions of like okay but like like one point she's it's crazy it's like i have to be the best and she's like what what is the best like what is the best that look like and grace is like it's the best if she's not working at the number one college in the world for astronomy if she's not doing the most groundbreaking research all these things and yuki's just like what like does that have to be your best she's like you can change what the best is and then she's like am i not a part of your best and so like yuki walks out I think she has to go to work or go record or something like that because Yuki works at like a restaurant. She's like a waitress at a, a restaurant somewhere. I thought she was a radio. Oh, she, she does, that, does that, at, that at night. Yeah, she does that at night and it's like a free radio. I don't think she makes any money. For oh, it. okay. So it's like just like local broadcasting. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And then it's like um, online. So like it's local broadcast if you have like a car and you're like in town or like driving around at nighttime mm-hmm. um, or you can listen to it online. Yeah, it's not like some really popular thing that she's like making lots of money off of. Um, Hence the three roommates also in New York, but also New York. So yeah, I was like, that could go either way. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah. And so then Grace, like one little, this one little fight, this one little argument, she like runs and she leaves because, and then she has a whole thing where, cause like the Colonel was like, you have more of your mom and you, when things get hard, you just run because they're both being mean at each other or whatever and so she does end up going to her mom and that's when she finally like it's towards the end of the book also i don't think any of these are really spoilers because a lot of things do happen but the big arcs of where grace is in this like year and a half that the book not all books have spoilers you know it's like there's nothing like crazy happens it's like oh i didn't see that coming but it sounds like it's more of like a growth journey yeah basically yeah this whole book is basically grace kind of like one figuring out her life 
like, yeah, after 11 years of school, what do you do? Also like you're 28, like, yeah, you're going to start figuring shit out. Like, what are you going to do? Um, the panic of it, um, the little bit of romance with her and Yuki, which is super sweet and cute. Um, but yeah, most of it is just like her growing, her figuring out what is her best, like does like, can she do these ones her like repairing her relationship or starting to repair her relationship with her mom and her father and like once you like mm-hmm. she's having some of these conversations with them it's just like like once you see it from the parents point of view you're just like oh my gosh yeah she took these like terrible negative things from when she was like 16 18 whatever like we all have these thoughts right and but she let that be like their whole personality like I don't know. Like, like there was I, nothing else. Like it was just this. Yeah. Like clearly only her father is disappointed in her. And he's like, I'm proud of you. And she's like, you never said that. And he's like, I didn't know that I had to, I'm sorry. Like, I'm proud of you. And then he consistently says it like the more times he'll be like, which is like uncomfortable. Like he's like forcing himself to be like, I'm proud of you. And like, he calls her grace sometimes. And she's like, he hasn't called me that since I was a kid. Clearly he's just like removing me from the Porter name. And he's like, no he's like i just he's what like the heck that's but like such that's, a leap yeah but like that's how him trying to be like i love you like i i'm do i'm i'm trying to i don't know it was a really huh. cute story i definitely can see a lot of the feelings of being 28 29 and not knowing what in the world you're going to do with your life um yeah. really wish grace had gone to therapy sooner um, like, cause like literally once you know what everyone in their 28, 29, 30 range says, yeah, I, bet every, I bet everyone who goes to therapy probably should have gone to therapy sooner. So there's that. Right. Um, but like, cause yeah, like a lot of the book, like it was kind of similar with yours. Like grace made, like everything happened to her, everything, like everything was bad. All these things, like, like I can like, relate though. Like there's definitely times in my own life where it's like, it feels like things are happening to me and all I can do is react. And it's really yeah. hard. Like once you're in that mindset to get out and be like, I can react differently or I yes. can like kind of help shape the way the people around me act, but yeah. you don't realize in the moment that like your actions are pushing them to do their thing too. Like, yeah. And she, ways. and she like, even like before therapy, you can tell she has like a terrible anxiety disorder, which obviously is not going to help anything. And no. then the fact that she's like stuck on this, I must be the best or like, I might as well not do anything. And you're like, well, that perfectionism not. is crippling. Yeah. And you're like, that's not really how any of that works, but okay. Um, but overall, I think I'm going to give it four stars. I really liked the writing, the like descriptions that this author had of people and situations. Like you can perfectly imagine it. You can smell exactly what she's saying. All these things. Love that. Um, I love the character growth for everybody. Like, I think honestly, almost there's probably like, there's one character who didn't get to really grow, which was unfortunate because he really, he deserved, he deserved everything he wanted and he didn't get it, which is a bummer, but story wasn't about him. He can have his own book another time. Um, But yeah, there was like so much character growth and just like getting like your feelings and like how to deal with some of these things was just, it was great. I really loved it. And I really liked that she does end up going to therapy and she does end up actually like having these tough conversations with her parents and like especially as a reader being getting to be like because at first you're like wow the colonel is a dick and then you're like okay he did the best he could with the hand he was dealt and oh like like you do end up learning why he walked out of the graduation and should he have no 
obviously that did he have reasons that were valid to him in the moment yes yes and they are and like once you hear it you go oh my gosh that is heartbreaking i uh, absolutely see why you did that and yeah i would probably want to walk out too but he didn't think like hey is me walking out on my daughter really going to affect her but since they didn't talk about anything like and also it's like a doctorate graduation or like like there's not like a ton of people like it was very obvious that he walked out like she knew that oh. also the only black people were her and him and her stepmom so like very clear where she, he... she's looking out in the crowd uh, among the white faces it's really clear her father is not there so that sucks yeah but yeah once you like hear his side you're like oh, okay i see why it was not right but i see why but also Such like, a life lesson though mm-hmm, yeah of like just ask next time like call him out then like why you're not supposed to assume yeah it's an ass out of you and me Mm -hmm. i feel like it really just makes an ass out of you that person who's assuming honestly like i don't really feel like it makes an ass out of the other person it makes them look like an ass but i don't yeah i think that's what it is like yeah like if i'm assuming it makes an ass out of me but i'm thinking you're being an ass so i'm assuming it's about you yeah it's not good Hmm. this sounds like an interesting book this was a good pick yeah, I'll definitely I would read more by this author. I think this was her first the first book that she did. Um, but yeah, I mean, like a lot of different like it was very queer friendly, very like, mm-hmm. yeah, all those. So like I liked and it didn't feel like sometimes when I read them, it feels like it's kind of shoving it down your throat on like how some of these like side characters because they're like, I don't know, I don't want to say that they're trying to like meet a quota or something like that. But this one was very much just felt so much. Re- it felt real. Like, oh, like yeah. how in that cursed child Harry Potter follow-up, J.K. Rowling clearly just like intentionally tried to make it seem diverse, even though people were clearly not. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it can feel forced, but yeah. I like when it feels organic. Yeah. This one just feels like, cause yeah, it'd be like this side comment about how this character is whatever. Like, I think there's like a trans yeah. character at one point. And the only reason I say think is because there was one comment one time about a binder and I was like, mm-hmm. oh and but it was just that like nobody had to make it a whole thing it wasn't whatever. it's just normal yep and which is how it would be or sh- and should be i guess how it should be it's yeah. like how Shits creek they did that too like dan levy intentionally wrote it where like there's no bigotry like no one's upset about like mm-hmm. dan levy being pansexual and all that because like it's just normal and that's accepted i love that in books where it's like no one makes a big deal out of it because it's yeah. just normal yeah and like i would hope that like in people's real lives like that's also what we're doing like if we're meeting somebody and i'm noticing this like okay cool that's just it that's it, it, is, is. What it is yeah so i think yeah, and i think that she wrote it really really well like all of these Love characters it. i can totally see them all being real people which Love sometimes you, know, you can't but yeah i could see all these people being sometimes real people, people characters are like just tropes <laughs> yeah exactly yeah but no yeah these ones all felt like an actual real person and some of them i'm like like with the radio show i was like oh my gosh i want to listen to that like that would i would be, listen to that for sure yeah so i'll definitely when she comes out with another one i will definitely be on the lookout for books by her and also the cover nice. was really pretty. So that's a win. Yeah. I think mine has follow-ups. I just didn't write them down. Oh. Yeah. I don't know you what to follow up with, but <laughs> you can all see the cover on Instagram when we post it. Hey, isn't yeah. it past your bedtime and Twitter IIPYB underscore pod. You can also check out our website. Isn't it past your bedtime.com to see what's in the archive and what's coming up next. Bye everyone. Bye.